All righty. Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Psalm 110. You know, this psalm is uh, the most quoted psalm in the entire New Testament. It's quoted or referenced uh, um, 27 times. And verse 1 is uh, quoted most often. We've been going through the Messianic Psalms for Advent. Messianic pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. And this is the most Messianic of all the Psalms. Now we said last week that we can say every Psalm is Messianic in that everything in Scripture points us to Jesus. Psalm 110 is a fantastic text. And it points us to our King and our Priest, Jesus. Now we spoke briefly about uh, God or the Lord being our, our King last week, but uh, this, this text draws out a few more things and points us to this unique combination of both priest and king, something you really don't see anywhere else. So hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. He will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. We are thankful, O God, for your word, for it is our life. The same spirit that inspired uh, David to speak of his son, Jesus, and his Lord, the King. We pray that you, O Holy Spirit, would enlighten our hearts in this text this morning that we might be drawn closer to our King and Priest, Jesus. It is in His name we ask it. Amen. You know, life is complex. It seems pretty simple when you're a kid. And as life goes on, you see that life is complex. And indeed, there are very rarely easy answers. And because of that many other reasons. We need a king and we need a priest. We need a prophet too. So it's, it's common to speak of the three offices of Christ, of prophet, priest, and king. But today we're speaking of two of them, priest and king, which are born out here in this text in Psalm 110. I'm reminded of how complex life is and how many problems are multifaceted with very few good answers As a church, we are engaged a lot with helping people financially and spiritually who need some help as we've been helping with Palmer Home and Thanksgiving boxes, Christmas boxes, Operation Christmas Child, um, the Benevolence, Christian, Bruton Benevolence Christian Fund, which some of y'all help out with, and we all, through our tithe dollars, help out with, and and the mercy cases that the church helps with, not to mention the needs of the congregation, and the caring committee, their ministry, not to mention the, the so many things that each and every one of you do that we never know about. The Lord has blessed us with the ability to help others in need. Let me remind you of that, that the Lord has blessed us. 
But, but as you wade into those issues, you find that they're just are very rarely easy answers. You can't just assign dollars to it. It involves messy ministry. There are broken systems and broken people. Life is complex. As we think about uh, raising kids, as we think about how to interact with others in the workplace, we think about priorities in our own lives and uh, relationships within families and drama Life is tough, and it's hard, and it's hard to know what to do half the time. But, but, you know, these things are made difficult because of sin. Our sinful hearts, we are born sinners in this world. We sin because we are sinners. That's who we are. This life is complex, and this world is hard to figure out, and oftentimes solutions are hard to find because sin has broken the world. In the Old Testament, you had um, systems in place, incomplete systems, systems of tension that pointed to the day when Israel's final king and final priest would come and would make all things new, who would begin to heal the nations, who would begin to heal his people, would truly defeat his enemies. You know, the problem with the Davidic kingship of of Israel. You think about David and Solomon and all those who came after them in the Davidic line, the good ones and the bad. Even even the good ones had no ability to change the hearts of the people. Time and time again, even under good kings, God's people would run from the Lord. You can only legislate so much. And the, and the Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament, it was, it was incomplete. It's God's provision for His people, so it's good. I'm not saying it's not, but it was built to be incomplete because it was pointing one day to a, a Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of His people. The blood of bulls and goats, Hebrews 9 tells us, cannot atone for your sins or mine. And by the way, people in the Old Testament didn't think that either. They knew that their sins were forgiven by the Lord and not just the outward workings of the sacrificial system. But coming one day was a priest and a king who would fully and finally defeat God's enemies and would truly atone for and reconcile His people to Himself. Psalm 110 is written by David. Jesus said it was written by David. It's in your text. If you look on the, um, the, the, the first little bit, we don't read this, but we ought to. That's my fault. This is part of the inspired Word of God where we start with 110. It really doesn't start with the Lord said to my Lord. It, it's, it starts with the Psalm of David. I always forget to read those bits. That's inspired Scripture. David wrote this Psalm. And he wasn't writing about himself. He wasn't writing about his descendants on an earthly sense. He's writing it ultimately about Jesus, who is his descendant. But he, he didn't talk about the other kings of that age. He, he's, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And everything he says in this psalm points us directly to this messianic king and priest who will come and save his people and defeat their enemies. We have a complex problem, our sin. And praise the Lord that our Savior has come as king and priest. Because the thing is, we need a king, don't we? We need a king. 
And we don't just need a weak king, we need a powerful king. So when we read in Psalm 110 verse 1, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is a picture of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the true king of Israel, the true king of our hearts, the one who is powerful to do all things. Capital L-O-R-D refers to the covenant name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah he is saying that David, the king on earth, he is saying, the Lord Yahweh says to my Lord, the king. But he can't be talking about himself. He's talking about someone who is higher than he is. The Lord Yahweh, the father, says to his son, the king Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make the enemies your footstool. We've already spoken of this in the Apostles' Creed. He ascended to heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. This is what's going on here. Come, and you have ascended to heaven. Now sit at my right hand. The Lord never shares His right hand with just anybody. This is to share in, in power. This is to share in authority. This is to share in kingship and lordship. And so Jesus sits down, His work completed. It is finished. Until the Father makes the enemies His footstool. Until all the enemies are destroyed. Do you remember a few years back in Iraq when uh, President Bush was visiting, I think it was a surprise visit, and an Iraqi journalist picked up a shoe and threw it at President Bush. Do you you remember seeing this? And I think he actually threw both shoes, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's not because he couldn't get a, a hand grenade or something through, uh, through the, the metal detector. It was because in that culture and in this culture, to, to throw a shoe, to be exposed to the sole of someone's foot is shame. In fact, in some cultures, if you were to sit on the ground with your feet pointing out towards somebody, that is to be shamed as well. And so when we read that the Father will make uh, all of His enemies His footstool, the, the Lord Jesus His footstool, This is speaking of not just subjection, but utter subjection and the shaming of His enemies. We need a powerful king greatly because our problem with sin and guilt is complex. So we think about our enemy of Satan. We think about our sin and its bonds over our lives that we cannot break. We need a king who will come in and and do mighty things. And one of the things he does here as you'll see in your outline, as he changes our hearts. See, the kings of the Old Testament had no ability to change the hearts of their people. Now, the Spirit could. But our king has the ability to change our hearts as we read in verses 2 and 3. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. There's a lot going on here about the powerful rule of the king. But when it says that your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power, this is sacrificial language. This is a free will offering. That the king will have changed the hearts of those who were his enemies to be his people. That that now they would come to him not only to worship him but to serve him and to offer themselves up as living sacrifices. Romans 12.1 See, the problem is that we are our biggest problem, right? 
Our hearts are stone and need to be made flesh. And we can't do this on our own. And Romans 5, 8 tells us that we were enemies of God. And so our Savior and His kingship, He subdues us who are in rebellion against Him. He changes our hearts according to Ezekiel 36 and He makes us love Him and call upon Him in faith and repentance. And this King, Jesus, He's a powerful King. He changes our hearts and He's victorious over His and our enemies. I love the ending of this text in verses 5 through 7. The Lord is your right hand, at your right hand rather. He will shatter kings on the day of His wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. This is a victorious celebration drink. Therefore, He will lift up His head. In 1939... Uh, Nazi German forces, the Wehrmacht marched into Czechoslovakia. Without a shot, they annexed Czechoslovakia. We don't call it an invasion because there weren't any shots fired. They just marched in one day and Czechoslovakia was now under German control. This is what happens when you don't have someone to fight for you. None of the other forces, none of the other countries would come to their aid and so they could only capitulate. They were defeated. We have even more serious enemies than Czechoslovakia faced. We have an enemy, Satan, who is roaring. He's prowling. He's looking to kill and steal and destroy. He's looking to lead you away from the the pure path. He's looking to, to catch your eye. He's looking to tempt you. He's looking to lie to you, often even as an angel of light. How in the world am I powerful enough to, to, to defeat this, this enemy? I'm not. Stand strong in the power of His might. Put on His armor. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And Christ has defeated Satan. So we think about the temptation in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan brought the best he could do and Jesus was not led astray. As we think about the cross and this fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, that the the heel, the heel of our Savior was bruised, but the head of the serpent was crushed upon the the raising of the dead. Even death could not hold our Savior and ascended into heaven, and one day He will come back and He will finally throw Satan into the lake of fire. We have a powerful, victorious King. Praise the Lord, He has come. Our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament era, they looked forward to the coming of the true King. And at Christmas time, we remember the coming, the past coming and the soon to be coming. But there's more in this text, isn't there? Because we didn't discuss verse 4. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know, names matter in the Old Testament. I'm reading through Chronicles right, or, um, yeah, Chronicles right now, and the first 15 chapters or so are just names. And let me tell you something. I got through with that bit of reading in my Bible plan in a hurry. <laughs> uh, but names mean something. And we find the name Melchizedek uh, really only a few times in Scripture. In the Old Testament, twice, here and in Genesis 14, where Abraham had just rescued Lot 
and he runs across this really strange character, this guy named Melchizedek, uh, which, whose name means king of righteousness. Melchi, king, Zedek, righteousness. He's also the king of Salem, which becomes Jerusalem. Salem or Shalom means peace. So he's the king of peace and the king of righteousness. Now this just ought to point us to Jesus right away, shouldn't it? And here in this, in this person is the marriage of priest and king together. He is a king, but he's also the priest of the God Most High, according to Genesis chapter 14. Now we need a priest who will finally and fully pay for our sins. The blood of bulls of goats can't, can't take away sins in the Old Testament. So how in the world are we going to be saved? How in the world are we going to be saved from our greatest enemy? How can Christ as king defeat our sin? He does so as priest. But there's a problem here. Because the kings come from the line of Judah, the line of David. And priests come from the line of Levi, the line of Aaron. So how in the world will our Savior, our prophet, priest, and king, be both king and priest? He's not of the Levitical priesthood. He's of the line of Melchizedek. Hebrews bears this out. And so he came as our priest, to save us. And we need to save Him, don't we? We need saving. We have real sin in our lives. We really need forgiveness. We really need a priest who will heal us and shepherd us and love us. And He came to do this by laying down His life for us. I love how we use candles at Christmas time. Um, you know, when you use them throughout the year, candles are meant to uh, symbolize the presence of the Spirit in a service. I, I love when churches use candles in normal services because it, it references the presence of God with His people. But especially at Christmas time, it points us to the coming of the true light of the world into the world. Because see, the thing is, our hearts are in darkness, they are dark with the tar of sin. Have you ever been in darkness so dark that you can almost taste it? You can almost feel it? And so too we, before King Jesus invades our heart, changes our heart, before priest Jesus comes and cleanses our sins, our hearts are dark and we're living in the domain of darkness. And yet now has come the true light of the world into the world to save His people. And now the light has dawned. And it shows us the way of salvation. He saves us. This priest Jesus is a better mediator than those Old Testament saints. Those Old Testament priests. A priest is one who stands between God and His people. But the problem in the Old Testament was that God's priests were also sinners. So we read of the priesthood of Melchizedek in Hebrews 7.27, speaking of Christ. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins, and then for those of his people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Christ was perfect. Here is the true king of righteousness. He is a righteous king. Here is the true king of peace, as we'll look at in a couple weeks. Did you see this? He is priest, and what did he offer up? He offered up himself. Blood of bulls and goats can't atone for humans. 
Only a sacrifice of like kind can have any uh, value for us. And it must be a perfect Lamb of God. And here is the God-man Jesus. But we also have a priest who continues his work. Hebrews 7, 23-24 tells us the former priests were many in number. There were lots of them because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. You know, as we spoke about um, Czechoslovakia, um, they were overrun by Nazi Germany. But what I didn't tell you is that the other European powers weren't surprised by this. In fact, they agreed to it. They met in Munich and, wrote a, and signed a treaty saying that Germany can have Czechoslovakia because they just didn't really care about Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia didn't have an advocate. They didn't have anybody to stand up for them. But as believers in Christ, we have an advocate before the throne of God. We have someone who intercedes for us continually, who prays for His people. Isn't that amazing that our Savior continues to pray for us before His Father's throne of grace? We're not left without an advocate. We're not left without a king and priest who continues His work even now. Our king, priest, and prophet, Jesus, He will come back one day. What a day that will be. And our King will make all things new. This time of tension that we still live in will be ended. And all of His enemies will be vanquished. And His priestly sacrifice will be made complete in that now the presence of sin will be gone from us as well. My friends, do you know this King? Do you know this priest? Do you know this prophet? There is no salvation outside of Him. He has come for His people. He was born to set them free. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that He came to die and to be raised, and then to ascend into heaven. We thank You that He reigns for His people even now. And we yearn for the day of the complete kingdom to come. Until then, Lord, give us faith to walk in the ways that You would have us always telling others about the hope we have in Jesus. We pray all these things in His name. Amen.